Involve. Solve. Evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by the cloud computing experts from Second Watch, Ian Willoughby, Chief Architect Cloud Solutions, and Skip Berry, Executive Director of Cloud Enablement. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Welcome back to Cloud Crunch. If you've been listening for the last few weeks, you know we've been talking about strategies you can use to increase the value of being in the cloud. We've already examined the first four strategies and have arrived at the fifth and final strategy we're going to discuss in this series, reducing cloud spend while accelerating application deployment. Today, I'm joined with my co-host, Skip Berry. Skip, good to see you. Good to see you too, Ian. Awesome. Awesome. And today our guest is Jeff Collins, who is one of our product managers here at Second Watch, who has a lot of experience in this area and particularly in the app modernization and all kinds of things along those lines. So what we want to do, Jeff, is uh, welcome you to the show first. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, no, this is great. Uh, we have the opportunity to work with Jeff quite a bit. So we know his experience out in the field is very relevant. And, you know, that's what we try to do on the show is, is bring the real world examples and our experience back to our audience, you know, with the business and the technology focus, of course. And Jeff is an ideal candidate to talk about this topic today. So Jeff, let's just dive right into this. Let's talk a little bit about how you can reduce your cloud spend without decreasing the benefits of your cloud environment. Yeah, and I guess that you know, cloud spend is probably one of the one of the most important um, elements when you do move to the cloud. You know, because that's kind of the the initial thought process. You know, I can get out of my data center and I can save X amount of dollars on network and power and storage costs, and I can move into this fancy new cloud thing and uh, just click some buttons and deploy my stuff that was in the data center into the cloud. Problem is, you can actually spend way more if you're not careful. So you gotta kind of know what you're what you're doing. And typically, when you do a migration into the cloud, it, it can be like a one-for-one transition. So a lot of customers, if they're not quite to that point where they can start thinking about optimizing or app modernization, they'll basically just take a, an export of what they're running in the data center. Say they're on VMware. They've got, say, 200 VMs, for example. They want to put that in, say, AWS. So they go and spin up the same number of instances with the same amount of horsepower, set up a kind of a, the same type of networking configuration. And that's how they do their migration without any kind of pre-thought into what, you know, what can I do to make my environment better than what I had before and take advantage of some of these additional technologies that cloud provides. So wait a minute, you're telling me that you can end up spending more in the cloud? That's uh, possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is it? The, what did they used to call it? The double bubble bump or whatever, the first bump or whatever, yeah. when you put workload in there. Is it still a thing? Yeah, um, the, the double bubble. bubble. Yeah. 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 Especially if you don't know what you're doing. There's, yeah, there's lots of yeah. things you can click on, you know, when you log into that console, lots of buttons to click on. If you click on the wrong thing, you, uh, you can easily start overspending. Yeah, I think we should probably explain to the audience that, that may not know that term. The double bubble is basically when you are in the process of migrating to the cloud and you're both you're paying for that application resources both in the cloud and and on your prem data centers or wherever that may be. So the promise that you know I just want to backfill this is that that bubble will go away in a relatively short period of time. How short? Hopefully shorter the better, right? I mean that's that's what we're trying to shoot for here and get back to that payback period. 
brings in the interesting topic of optimization as well, right? Yeah, yeah. right, there right, right. And here we are. Here we are. Very excited, Jeff. Uh, you know, for me, this topic from being in uh, ProServe and, you know, what, what you all do and, you know, where we are and working on this. Very interesting. Uh, talk, talk about some of the technologies out there, you know, from uh, if you look at it from the pillars of cloud optimization from your perspective. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's various tools that you can deploy to get um, do a lot of reporting and do some recommendations. I don't want to dog, you know, any specific tools, but if you do that, you're kind of siloing yourself. So what we kind of like to look at is your is your cloud environment as a whole. And to do that, there's some pillars that we've, we've kind of set up on the optimization side that will help guide that conversation and help look for elements that can save you money, right? So um, there's seven of them that we use here at Second Watch. Uh, the first one kind of takes on that whole, uh, if you're familiar with FinOps and kind of those methodologies of how you can centralize your spin and kind of delegate it out to your different business units within an organization, we, we do take advantage of that, um, that mentality. And that can be anything from kind of looking at reserved instances, um, savings plans, purchases to getting into like EDP and EA negotiations, kind of further up the, the financial stack. So it's kind of looking at, at all those various elements and, and what, um, I mean, what, what's going to make the most sense for your environment and how it's running today. So that, that's one, one element. Um, second one would be auto parking. And the, the theory behind that is, you know, even if you have coverage with, an, with a reserved instance or a savings plan, it might make more sense just to cut the thing off, you know, especially if, if you only need it running for a couple hours a day or just nine to five business hours. You're not, you're not paying for those compute resources to be sitting there idle, you know, while they're not needed. Third one, right sizing. That's, a, that, that's definitely a big one. You'll see a lot of tools out there that'll um, give right, second, right sizing recommendations, um, basically just based on your CPU and memory metrics. Um, a lot of them actually don't pull in the real-time memory me- metrics. They always set that to like 100%. So you're not really getting the actual amount of compute usage that you're using, believe it or not. So that, that's something to look out for when we're providing recommendations to our customers. Uh, here at Second Watch, we we pull in uh, real time memory metrics and make sure that your your instances or your VMs are properly sized based on what's actually running on them. And the next one would be uh, family refresh, and that one, like you, you know, another kind of thing about the cloud. You know, it, it's it's not like this vapor of stuff that stuff just runs on, right? There is a data center sitting there. There there are physical servers, lots of them. Um, that are running and occasionally, you know, they get old and they have to be refreshed. So a lot of the public cloud providers will, will provide incentives um, when some of that hardware is becoming end of life and they want to migrate to new families that will probably uh, give better performance for your applications anyway, and also provide some additional savings for running on the, on the old legacy stuff. Um, the key point, I, I believe, I, just to drill down on that one, um, you know, in the, in the cloud itself, it's really, you know, the panache now becomes how, how well you are as far as managing all this, right, with the, with the ever-evolving landscape inside someone else's data center, yeah. a.k.a. someone else's cloud, right? So it's a very salient point. Your former job of how you made that hardware last for three years is now how do you maximize your spend really in, in every time something new comes out, a new instance or family or what have you. So that's 
I, I spend a lot of time talking to, you know, my counterparts and a customer explaining that situation, just the mind shift itself that it takes. So, yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. a very valid point because we often walk into a customer, we'll ask them what their, their refresh cycle is. Mm-hmm. And it's usually between three and seven years. I think when they're at seven years, they usually publicly don't like to talk about the seven <laughs> year side, but five is pretty typical. Uh, but this, you know, the, this family refresh, just to drill in for those that may not understand the family, the instance types, obviously, like if you look at Amazon, they have a C type. They started with C1 a long time ago. Now they're up to C, I don't know, 900 at this point. I believe it's C6. <laughs> but every time the generation, obviously, the chipsets, the architecture gets better. So, but you know, it's, it's really fascinating to me. So if you have like one family and they come up with a new instance type, I mean, it breaks the whole refresh model, right? I mean, it's not like you're not going to wait for five years. You can wait for the the maintenance window to hit it. Yeah. Yep. I, and, and just to follow on before you get into the last two, Jeff, I want to take a step back because I think it's a very important part to mention. A lot of this isn't even technology. It's about contractual management aspect. You mentioned EDP yep. volume licensing. Can you can you drill down into that a little bit more too? Just about you know not necessarily what Second Watch offers, but just the mindset that we try to instill in our customers. Uh, yeah, you can speak to yeah, that. And, and I guess there, there's different. You can think of it kind of as a cake, right? When it comes to optimization, there's different layers of that cake that you can apply to achieve the most savings. You know, so and take AWS for example, savings plans could be a layer of that cake. Um, mm-hmm. Reserved instances, even though they're they're kind of going away, savings plans kind of gives you a better coverage. Um, it's a lot more flexible. You can kind of base your amount of coverage on on your actual usage and spread it across multiple cloud services. So a little bit more flexible. Um, think of that as the layer of the cake. And then you also got kind of your overall overarching contract with, with AWS that you can negotiate better rates for de- depending on your spend. So when you take all those different elements, um, it's kind of like, like I said, it's kind of like baking a cake, right? You've got this multi-layer um it's a great um, analogy. Which yeah, part of the yeah, cake would that yeah. be? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 they're they're, all, they're all pretty good, you know. But, yeah, but once yeah. you once you get all those pieces in there, you've got a, a pretty good cake if you want to use that analogy. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. So just different different things to look at. Yeah. Right on. Very critical part of all this for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, one, one thing, to, just to touch on the family refresh, I did notice that you've seen a lot of um, announcements, uh, especially especially reInvent. Um, I would say probably in the last. I don't know, six months or so from AWS, more, more so at reInvent, like I just said, but around um, Amazon kind of getting into that, you know, they're, they're a cloud provider, but now they're getting into the hardware space. We saw it with disk drives, like where they would, they would go to a Western Digital or Seagate and they would say, you know, for, for Glacier, we want you to provide us this spec of disk. You know, we don't, if it breaks, great, we'll throw it away or we'll, we'll throw it away, we'll, we'll recycle it. Um, but we want it as cheap as possible. And now you kind of see that mindset going into processors with their announcement of, of the Graviton 2 and how much cheaper they are, you know? So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that's going to affect the different families that they come out with, especially if you're moving away from Intel or AMD um, to provide additional cost savings. So I, f- I feel it's like a, a, almost the last dagger to push uh, into the chest of getting out of a data center, right? Because that yeah. seems to be where the, um, I don't want to say the, the reluctant are still, but, um, but that seems to, they're taking that last obstacle out of why would, why would you still have your own infrastructure and, and what have you? So it will be interesting to see, I agree, how that plays out, uh, especially yeah. 2021. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, and now you have so many choices on these different types of you know yeah. units or you know components. I mean, who, who would have thought that Amazon would be making their own chipsets? Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, you know, I mean, it makes sense when you, you finally realize it, but uh, they're they're a large consumer of them. But it, it's fascinating. Yeah. And I, I'm going to pull a skip here. I'm going to say, but before we go on to the next two, I want to go back to a phrase because it's just kind of lingering out there. FinOps. Mm. Yeah. Let's go back and dive into that a little bit further. And if you could, I mean, you kind of touched on what it was, but what, what's your definition of that, Jeff? Yeah, it, it's more like a kind of a methodology. It's not like a, you know, from what I've read, at least, it, it, it's not like a, you know, there's, there's a set tool to give me a FinOps report. It's more, more kind of like a mentality that you get in. Like, um, for example, we've got a large customer that that has um, kind of like their central IT department that deals with all of the financial aspects of the business, right? So they're the ones that will do the EDP and the savings plans. Out external of that, they've got multiple different business units that operate from whatever guidelines that the central group sets, right? So they don't necessarily take a, can take advantage of say, all of the discounts that the overall organization is getting. They've got set internal rates. And um, it's really just kind of a way, not, not, that, not that they're charging themselves more money or anything, but it's really a way to kind of get your arms around uh, best practices financially and make sure that all of your groups are, are kind of being held responsible for what they're spending. They're aware of their spend and it allows that central group to kind of control the mindset of those different organizations internally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the conversation that I was mentioning earlier that I have often of like trying to get the traditional infrastructure director or a VP to get their mindset in that, in that world, in that realm. Right. New, it's a new thought for them, really. Mm-hmm. A new muscle. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We have seen that play out. I don't think it was called FinOps when, when we initially saw this, but when somebody from finance is attached to IT, particularly in their cloud center of excellence, and then they're, they're, they're helping understand and do the chart, you know, making sure the chargebacks, everything are, are all good. It's the first time mm-hmm. they've ever got that visibility of how much IT is costing each business owner. So exactly. Exactly. It's not a, it's not a one and done thing either. It's ongoing, you know? So once you kind of get these, uh, like I said, I, I would, I would picture it more of just kind of a way of thinking or a methodology. Um, once you kind of start adopting those, those different strategies, you know, you can apply them going forward and, you know, see additional cost savings and efficiencies. Sure. All right. Now that uh, you, you've satisfied my ADD uh, <laughs> needs to jump back around, let's see if we can continue on to the next couple. Yeah. Good yeah, luck, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Um, next, next one, uh, we actually have three more. We have a new one that we added here recently. But, um, new one, or uh, the, the next one is waste. So any anything that's out there, like a you know unattached storage volume instances or VMs that have been sitting there idle, not not getting any use for um, for you know thirty sixty days. Old snapshots. You know, a lot of a lot of companies will have a, a good backup policy, um, but not necessarily a good snapshot deletion policy. So making sure that, you know, you're not keeping things any longer than you have to, because the cloud providers are going to charge you, you know, whether you use it or not, as long as the storage is sitting there. So just kind of getting some good uh, visibility into what those different waste elements are. The next one would be storage. Um, storage has gotten, I wouldn't say complicated, but I would say it, there, there's tons of options out there. Even though, even like with S3 and Glacier, there's multiple flavors of each one. And kind of having a good understanding of what your customers' workloads look like 
and setting a data retention policy that's going to work best for them, you know, based on frequency of retrieval or, you know, how, how quickly, how, how, how important a piece of data is, you know, can you go throw it in Glacier and if you can pull it out within, you know, a day or two, is that fine? You know, some of the data, yeah, some of it, maybe not. So you got to kind of balance those different elements um, to make sure that that you're not overpaying for your storage costs because they don't typically go away. You know, you either store some some data or you don't, right? So they're going to charge you if it's sitting there, even if there's, um, you know, compute tied to it. You might not, not necessarily be charged for the compute portion of it, but storage is going to take up space and they're going to they're gonna ding you for those charges regardless. Sure. And then the next one is kind of a new one, like I mentioned. It's kind of more of a um, step into continuous optimization, and it's it's specifically around spot resources. So if you have customers that can take advantage of that, it used to be kind of a pain, right? You had to go to the marketplace. You had to, um, you know, basically go buy some unused resources. Jeff, if you could just explain to our audience what you mean by spot. Yeah, so spot is a is a methodology of kind of buying compute resources that people no longer need. They might have purchased it and they're looking to they don't need it anymore, so they sell it on a marketplace, which it, it used to be a pain to manage. A lot of the cloud native tools over the past year or two have gotten a lot better at it. Um, we we partner with a company called Spot IO um, that basically takes that whole headache out of the way. So basically, you you target a workload. It can be a auto scaling group. It could be a um, just an instance, a VM. Um, it can also be containers. It can be EKS, Kubernetes, um, ECS. And you basically load it into the into the tool, and it finds those spot resources based on availability, and it's going to run them, you know, constantly. So you could uh, you can actually run production workloads in there as well these days. And if for some reason that spot resource goes away, it'll just convert over to on demand. So it basically takes away all that headache of ensuring that you've got those resources available, and automates it. So that, that that's another one for workloads that can take advantage of it. Uh, no, that's great. Yeah, we, we, we're seeing more and more of that. It's getting more sophisticated as well. Yeah, there's a lot of people that I think are terrified of, of using Spot because particularly if they have stateful apps that it may shut down on them and then they're they're losing some data. Yep. So obviously we want to, it, it, that gets into app modernization. How do you re-architect that app to make sure that you can take advantage of all these things as well? do want to tell one story though. You have to be careful. Obviously, you follow these rules, you get the, the optimization, you get your backups in place, and then you find out the most expensive part of your platform for And I'll, I'll pick on, well, I won't use the name of it, but there's a very traditional big data platform that people often migrate directly to the cloud. And if you start backing that up frequently, like you should your costs just spiral out of control. So you have to kind of look, you know, that's when you need to start app modernizing using cloud native technologies as well. We had uh, one client that we didn't set this part up for them, but they were spending almost $200,000 a month on backup just for one application. So we had to go back and re-engineer that with them and say, there's a better way of doing it. And it really dropped it down. So just just be aware that. You gotta gotta watch those costs on a daily basis when you <laughs> go into the double bubble. The so, FinOps yeah. people would be mighty upset with you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it, and it's really it's really looking at the whole thing holistically. 
Um, so like I said earlier, there, there's no easy button to do this. You know, you've got to, you got to know what you're looking at, you know, and you've got to be able to pull in the right data and apply different algorithms to get the right, um, I would, I'll say the accurate recommendations, you know, based on, on actual usage, you know, and then once you make the recommendations, then you've kind of got the, the whole issue of getting the, the customers to go deploy them and, and make those changes. You know, that, that's a whole other issue because there's got sometimes the recommendations that there's reasons why things are set certain ways. And, you know, those can be excluded kind of on the, as you, as you start doing um, optimization reviews, you know, on, on an ongoing basis, but the remediation part can be, uh, can be just as challenging once they're identified. Hey, when we uh, when we met with Willie last year, we talked about this a little bit. I should quote the episode number, but your your perspective, Jeff, what's the single first place to start? You know, obviously we have the pillars here or what have you. But if you're if you're just new to this, obviously overwhelming. Right. Uh, it could be overwhelming potentially. But where's where's some small wins, immediate gains that uh, you would pick on? Uh, yeah, um, I, I guess it, it's it's just being familiar with with what you're going to be building in the cloud, right? So if you can get, say, you, you've got a VMware environment and a data center, the more accurate information you can pull out of that in terms mm-hmm. of actual usage, um, that would probably be a, a a good start. And a lot of this, like, a, I mean, from what we've seen, a lot of a lot of customers won't even get into optimization until they're already migrated, but the sooner you can start thinking about these different things and do a little research, see what's going to make the most sense, the the better. And, and this is how it kind of ties into app modernization. So maybe, maybe your, you know, hundred VMs could run better in, in containers or on serverless. So it's kind of looking at that application and identifying potential candidates to, you know, take advantage of some of those higher end cloud services. I would say the sooner you can do that, the, the better, you know, um, no, no, I would say from a from a lot of customer standpoint, you know, they, they just want to get out of their data center. They want to get, or they don't have to get out of the data center. A lot of them are, are hybrid. You know, maybe they just want to build another environment, but they don't want to go, you know, buy another ten rack cage and all this um, additional power and network to to power it. So they want to go build it in the cloud, right? Yeah. So yeah. just kind of having that mindset, knowing knowing what their applications actually require and how flexible they are, that can that can go a long way. Yeah, and I think also. Often what we're seeing is there may be five environments for a particular application, only one being production. And uh, they're not working the whole 168 hours a week. I think that's the number of hours in a week. Yeah. So <laughs> that auto parking is, is is another one I find. that, that we often, yeah. yeah, we put it out there so that you're only running it about 24% of the time. I mean, you talk about that. that's a 75% savings if you only have that on that's- in non-production environments. I can say from, yeah, from experience, that's the biggest mind shift really to get around people's head. I know what you were referencing before, Ian, you and I have intimate knowledge of that situation <laughs> and to get there even from, so you had, you referenced the backup, but even from a QA dev test mm-hmm. environment of where you don't need that full onslaught of, uh, you know, the, the cavalry of what you had on-prem, it's a great example of where you could save a lot of, a tremendous amount of money. Yeah. Yeah, they make sure those backup and data retention policies, too, on those non-production environments. You need some, of course, for right. compliance and other things, but you don't necessarily need the same level. So making sure that you create those uh, different categories of data retention, I think, are, are very strategic as well. 
Let me um, let me ask an interesting perspective here, because this is something that last week I was challenged with as well. If a company is looking, a uh, customer, a client, or what have you, is out there looking to start this initiative, where do you guys think it fits in their environment? Is this like a, an initiative of a COE when they start that? Is it the ops team? Is it more from a you know the dev side of the house? How do you think it gets ingrained into the culture or to start there? Yeah, I don't know if it if it hits anyone specifically, you know, because I think each each team is going to have different requirements and drive additional. I won't say additional, but but different types of of costs potentially. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like your your app team could take more advantage of, of DevOps types tools, serverless things that you know, since they're they're constantly producing new code, what uh, things that enable enable them to roll it out faster, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but yeah, I, I would say there was, a, you know, I, I, I guess the, there's the no answer, right answer. It, 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 it depends. Yeah. yeah. yeah it depends. It does, it does depend. But I, I would say, Skip, you touched on CCOE, and we've talked about that before, Cloud Center of Excellence, which is a group of stakeholders across the organization, and it should include somebody from finance, right? Mm-hmm. And I think if you've got, if you have somebody from the financial aspect from day one, in your cloud strategy sessions, they're going to keep asking, what about the cost? And then it's going to be everybody's job because they know that question's coming, right? They got to answer it. And plus now with that visibility that you've never had before, like Mm -hmm. I know how much my application costs now. You never knew. You kind of knew, but you didn't really know. Now you know probably too much. (laughs) Right, right on. Well, this is great. So Jeff, before we get going, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us? Yeah, there, there was one, and, and I guess it, it's more kind of, okay, well, what, what's next from an optimization perspective, right? And that's, that's kind of, you know, what, 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 do, you, what do you look to, to add to the service or where's it going probably the next, you know, year or so? And it, it's going to get into the application space. So I guess the idea would be to kind of take these principles that are in use today around optimization and apply them higher up the stack. Because, you know, infrastructure you know, right-sizing auto parking, that, that's not going away anytime soon. That's always going to be a piece of it. But say you're, you're doing a, a recommendation session with a customer, you make these recommendations, they go make changes. The next time you get on there, they're going to say, okay, what's next? You know, how, how you saved me X amount of money on this last one. What, you know, we haven't really changed anything or added anything. Our, our environment's fairly static. What, you know, how can you, how can you save us money on this go around? So it's kind of taking those principles and, and looking more into the application layer. Um, there's a couple of products like any kind of APM type of products that will give you visibility into the application flow and identify elements in their bottlenecks that if you could either refactor the app, potentially move it to containers or serverless, um, you're going to see X amount of additional performance on that particular application. Now, it might not save you on the public cloud side, you know, but if you can speed up your your transaction process, say, for example, and you can now sell 10 more widgets per second than you could before, you know, you're, your profits are going to go up, not not on the cloud side necessarily. They, they could. Top line growth. Top your, line your, growth. Your spend, your profits would not, because you're not making money on the cloud. Revenue, <laughs> uh, revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Revenue yeah. growth. Yeah. 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 Sure. So you would, you would see it on the other side, right? So yeah. you could, it would, it would affect your bottom line. So that's... um. That's kind of where we're looking to go with kind of how optimization will morph into um, additional pillars specific to app modernization. 
Very salient point. Sounds like a, a next podcast to, oh, be, yeah. to be soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's where uh, today we talked about how to save money in the bottom line. But yes, but once you take these principles onto the next phase, you're adding hopefully money to the top line. So yep. that's, that's what we all strive for. Well, thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate your time, Skip, as usual. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Enjoy it, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please email us at cloudcrunch at secondwatch.com. We welcome your ideas, suggestions, and comments. Thank you again. You've been listening to Cloud Crunch with Ian Willoughby and Skip Berry. For more information, check out the blog, secondwatch.com slash company slash blog, or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter. Twitter.